0: Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorny podcast, the first ever video edition. We can actually see the Godfather and see Gorny looking all happy and ready to go. Well, what's that? I don't know about happy. <laughs> uh, we'll talk first about the NFL draft. Um, obviously, a lot to talk about there, Mike. So I'll let you let you start on on what you want to cover there.
1: Yeah, Joe Burrow went number one. I don't know if anybody noticed that. But um, I think for us, the biggest takeaways for this would be which colleges really improve their recruiting status. Um, you know, you expect Alabama to do so. And they did. You know, they had plenty of picks. Um, Ohio State always does well, but I think LSU with, with 14 picks this year coming off a national championship. I mean, they're going to be a juggernaut. They got a commitment from Landon Jackson that, you know, right after the draft. Um, you know, the recruiting nationally for the first time that I can remember, you know, pulling kids like Elias Ricks from California and, and, you know, Sampa from Virginia last year and and on and on. So I think LSU is probably the biggest winner. Uh,
2: And then we can talk losers because everybody loves losers. (laughs) Especially you, Mike. Uh, No, uh, LSU did great. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, they had Uh, five in the first round even though Clyde Edwards Hilaire we could talk about that as the the last uh, pick in the first round ahead of a lot of running backs but they did great on offense they did great on defense they had low-ranked guys Justin Jefferson high-ranked guys transfer quarterback going number one so I think they absolutely did the best job out of anybody I think Ohio State maybe established themselves as the place to go for elite defensive backs Uh, you know that continues to be The trend and then, you know, all the regulars just got stronger. I think Georgia had a good day, Alabama and and everyone else. So the teams that have been doing well continue to get stronger. The teams that struggled, Florida State, USC would be on top of my list there, continue to get weaker.
1: And Texas had three, I think, which is not impressive. Um, But back to your comment about LSU, I mean, Ohio State's DBU.
2: Right. Well, I think if, if if you look at Ohio State in the last few years, Okuda and Damon Arnett is a first round pick, which is a stretch, but he's from Ohio State, so I think that helped him. Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, Eli Apple. I mean, they they've had more. I think the stat was they've had eight in the last three years, and no other team has had three. So, yeah, um, I think that's a huge, huge number for Ohio State. They're definitely DBU. LSU likes to talk a good game, but uh, I think it's Ohio State. I mean,
1: Stingley's going to be a guy, obviously, and they're going to keep producing cornerbacks. Christian Fulton slid a little bit, and I didn't think he was a first-rounder. Yeah. Um, Grant Delpit slid a bit, and I think that was more of a you know inconsistency effort thing. Um, but Sean Wade will be a first-rounder next year for Ohio State. I mean, they're just going to keep churning them out. So, you know, this whole talk about DBU-LSU, Florida State, Florida, Texas, right now ohio state is dbu so let's just get that out of the way everybody can hate on that if they want to but the fact that a lot of these guys are coming from different areas too wade's from florida um you know obviously who is from texas and you know they're just recruiting at a national level and and now that Kerry coombs is back i mean it's just gonna get even better when it comes to defensive back recruiting so i wrote earlier that the biggest underachiever in college football by far is Michigan. I'd like to see anybody argue
2: that, please. No, I don't think you can. I mean, they continue, you know, from a draft standpoint, they're one of the best in the country, if not the best. And so why is that not translating on the field? They're winning games, but it continues to be an unfair comparison to say that Michigan should be beating Ohio State every year. It's just not the same level of football. It's just not. So, um, Ohio State continues to destroy yeah, not, They should break through one year. I know they oh, should God. be able to go to Penn State. I mean, State, Penn State,
1: mean. Penn State broke through one year. Yeah. Oh no. When Harbaugh been. was in Michigan, I mean, this is—he's making a ton of money, a ton of money, and there are no results. They lose in every bowl game. Yep. They can't win their division. They they can't finish second in their division very very often and. Yeah you know, and then they put out all these draft picks. And again, there's not a lot of high draft picks here. Um, You know, Cesar Ruiz went in the first round, but you know, 10 guys on your roster going to the NFL draft, you should break through at one point. Ohio State's not that dominant. I mean, yes, they're they're impressive, but they've had a coaching change, had quarterback changes. There's been plenty of opportunities for Michigan to break through there and they just haven't. And I think it's becoming, I know the fan base is gonna be really upset, buy this. But I think more and more, Jim Harbaugh is losing that fan base. Um, I see less and less people complaining about any negative articles you see about
2: Harbaugh. Yeah, there definitely is sort of a reluctance to really back him at this point. Because, you know, unfairly, he came in with expectations that he was going to have Michigan in the, in the playoff in year one or year two. But they haven't gotten anywhere in, in now five years. So, They have Shea Patterson come in, who's a five-star transfer quarterback. He did, you know, nothing really all that special. Donovan Peoples-Jones was hardly ever used in that offense. Uh, They had Tariq Black, who had dealt with injuries. Um, It's not like they didn't have players. Uh, Their defense was phenomenal every year. But if they can't score points and they can't beat Ohio State and they can't go on the road and they flop everywhere, um, you know, I just don't think this is a team – when i watch alabama and clemson and lsu and georgia and ohio state and oklahoma this michigan is not one step behind them they're about two or three steps and they haven't gotten better in, in four years so based on the draft who's the second most underachieving program in college football in terms of people that have gotten a lot of draft picks and then didn't do anything with them
1: yeah i got my answer but you, you give me yours uh what about miami they had five but most of them were later rounds
2: i so think they, utah- had this they had five this year they had uh they're gonna have a lot next year and they still didn't do anything and they still lost yeah we'll see how they year. do this
1: season i mean the defense is loaded this season and we'll see if you know De'Aaron king helps them utah had nine right nine Utah had seven? seven, 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 yeah, six so, on the deep. Utah and TCU, I I guess you could say. Utah's made a run at the Pac-12 title. TCU has not really made a run, uh, but, you know, I guess it's unfair because neither of them are recruiting juggernauts, and, you know, Texas is obviously third or fourth in their own state. Um, Utah has to recruit, you know, everywhere, but, to have that much NFL talent and and Huntley didn't even get drafted, which I thought he would. Uh, I I think Utah, you know, gets kudos for producing these three stars that, that, that play like fours, but also you got to figure the way the pac 12 has been down for the last few years, they would have broke through and won. So I don't know. I mean, I, I wish there was a sexier answer than that. You know, Florida state put what one kid in,
2: Cam Akers was the only player from Florida state draft, which is unbelievable. I mean, that's just, and, the, and they only had two at the combine.
1: That's embarrassing. It's, it's yeah, down. And, amazing. and for Texas to have three is downright embarrassing as well, because I mean, these are programs, power programs, traditional programs in fertile States that, you know, should just, I mean, I know if Marvin Wilson came out, he probably would have been, you know, first or second rounder. Um, but, you know, you have to produce more talent than that. And it just speaks to the lack of player development. It, it's just horrendous. Um,
2: Texas' well, we, player wrote development's horrible. What's that? We wrote about this today, Mike. There were, let me count them just again so I have the right number so I don't get criticized for this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. 33 players who played high school football in Texas, and two of them went to Texas. Can you imagine a Texas team with Okuda? In the, in the good old days when Mac Brown would shut this all down after one junior day, Okuda, C.D. Lamb, Caleb on chase on Jalon Rager, Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, Jeff Gladney, Robert Hunt, Russ Blacklock, LaVisca Chenault, Antoine Winfield, Jalen Hurts, J.K. Dobbins, Denzel Mims, all of those players played high school football in Texas. None of them went to Texas.
1: Yeah, and they didn't want all of them, but they wanted some of them, and they yeah. lost, you know, those recruiting battles. The, my problem is the the high-level guys that had tremendous, I would say, upside heading to Texas who just never really developed. I mean, I remember talking about Devin Duvernay, you know, as yep. a as a as a kid – as a track star, you know, like a 10, 300 meter kid who has a chance to sort of light up the the world. And he never did. I mean, he obviously had an okay career and he had a good last year. You know, Colin Johnson's a huge receiver. Uh, he got drafted, but, you know, still mid rounds. And and then Brandon, Brandon Jones. I mean, I like that kid coming out of high school. He was an undersized safety, but I thought, we could be talking about, um, you know, maybe a, a Jamal Adams type of player there and he just never developed. So they're just not, they're not developing them. Uh, Florida State's more of the embarrassment though, because you just should never be that, that, that situation. And Willie Taggart really set that program back. So um, you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You see, you seem to not like that pick at
2: 32. I thought it was just a little bit of a stretch and, You know, I I get it, and I guess Mahomes had a say in in who was the pick there, and obviously a very, very talented player. Could have been a first-rounder somewhere else. But when you have DeAndre Swift on the board and Jonathan Taylor, who in his later years started catching the ball out of the backfield, I just don't see how you go Edwards-Hulner over those two guys.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see who pans out, because J.K. Dobbins is also a tremendous running back that that I thought might slide into the late first round if somebody fell in love with him. Um, but the, the, the issue with Edward Solaire is you, you just can't get a hit on him, you know? So I thought his size would be detrimental to his pass catching ability at the next level, because he's such a small target and the quarterback has to be so accurate. And Joe Burrow was obviously as accurate as any quarterback could be last year. Um, and now he's going with Mahomes. I think that's a great fit. I'll, I'll say, well, you know, so, I mean, he's going into the right situation. I think he'll be very good we'll see if Swift has a chip on his shoulder. You know, Cam Akers could be the sleeper running back. JK Dobbins could be the sleeper running back. Um, I love Jonathan Taylor. It's just so hard to tell with running backs and, you know, I continue to regret that we had six five-star running backs in this last class because it's just so devalued now. And I know it's cyclical it was devalued before. And then you had guys like Fournette and McCaffrey and Gurley and those guys, you know, Melvin Gordon go, and all of those guys have been successful, but the running back position maybe it just hasn't been as strong. But this seemed to be a strong running back class. I'm just a little bit surprised that that uh, you know,
2: nobody snuck into round one. But I, I think it's I think it's super, super valued at the highest end. Christian McCaffrey gets that huge concert uh contract that Ezekiel Elliott does. But then Melvin Gordon, they don't want to pay him. You know, Fournette, they're looking to trade him. Uh so it's just hard to it's hard to know exactly. I don't think it's just one black or white. I don't think it's just super devalued, and I don't think it's super valued. But if, if the guy could be the you know just the one guy that they're certain of for the next decade, they'll give them the money. If in in the sense that they weren't sold on Melvin Gordon or they're not sold on Jonathan Taylor, maybe because he had more than nine hundred carries in college, they're just not going to you know go on him. <laughs>
1: I'm going to put Dave on the spot here because you just shouldn't be staring at the camera and not talking.
0: (laughs) It seems very weird and creepy. Um, Worst pick of the first round? Oh, well, I'm going to be biased uh, because I'm a Raiders fan. I thought that was a reach. uh, Uh, AJ. Yeah, I didn't like that
1: one. AJ Terrell, huh? Now, again, this is a big kid who runs real well, and a lot of people are down on him because of that LSU game.
0: Huh? No, I would I was actually talking about Henry Ruggs. I think I mean Oh, I you're talking about Ruggs, not Terrell? Terrell's a, did Terrell go to the Raiders? No. They uh Raiders got the corner from Ohio State. Oh, okay. Oh, that was yeah. a reach. But oh, uh Terrell
1: went to the Falcons.
0: That's right. The Falcons are not happy with that one. Rugs, you're unhappy with Ruggs? You ran a four two seven. I know, but I mean, which for the Raiders, you know, they love the speed, but I just thought I really like CeeDee Lamb or or Judy better. Yeah, that was kind of see? an
1: interesting one. I can't say that's a bad pick, though. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, speed, guys. I know Gordy likes to bring up John Ross. I think, um, I guess I was anticipating your answer to be AJ Terrell because that was a bit of a reach, too, for me it's Jordan love by far. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I mean, to take a quarterback, you're locked to that guy now. Um, you know, that's your guy, whether, you know, Aaron Rodgers plays two more years or three more years or whatever you're paying this guy first round money. And he doesn't, a lot of people don't think he has first round talent. I don't know if that's true or not, but they have other needs. And I thought they could have met them for sure and waited a year you know, to see what this quarterback uh, draft looks like, because 2021 looks a little bit better. Now, obviously, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, but there's a few other quarterbacks in 2021. So that was the one that kind of messed me up. But, Gorney, your worst one?
2: I thought Ruggs was a reach because they fell in love with speed over over production. Um And and if I'm taking a slot receiver, I'm taking Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk in that. Spot and I also thought Rager was a reach and I know we'll disagree on this one,
0: but his yeah. production
2: went down over his career at TCU and you can blame, you know, a, a young quarterback or whatever. But if I have Justin Jefferson on the board and I choose Jalen Rager, I just I, I'm just not so sure, not so sure. They, made the right pick there. they made the right pick there.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I do like Jalen Rager, um, you know, better than it a t higgins or an Ayuk or or guys like that i think he was very undervalued and you know i expected him to slide to the second round and and be you know one of those guys that you know like a michael thomas not not that good but you know who just sort of slipped for some reason and then turned out to be a great player but um it just didn't seem to be the fit for the packers to take a quarterback um to me you know and, and and i also wonder I mean, Andrew Thomas is a, is an excellent football player. I don't think anybody expected him to go four. I expected him to go fourth out of those four tackles. <laughs> but then, you know, I read something where, you know, I, 11 general managers in the NFL had Thomas ranked at the top of their board for tackle. But Jedrick Wills seemed to be the safe pick for me. Um, you know, and then back to, you know, the Raiders – with a little bit of a reach there uh, with their second pick. Um, but, you know, Mike Mayock knows what he's doing. I, I really have a lot of confidence in him. I'm not sure, you know, that they're going to be successful anytime soon if they don't solve a few other problems. But, um, but I'm not, I'm not really upset if I'm a Raiders fan with rugs. Uh, Jordan Brooks, I think is one of the best picks of the draft. I, I watched that kid more and more heading into the draft. If somebody turned me on to him, uh, an NFL scout turned me on to him and said, you know, Isaiah Simmons or not, this is the best linebacker in this, in this group, just no one's going to pick him at seven or nine or whatever. Um, but I think he's going to be an absolute beast out of Texas tech.
2: I have no problem with that. I love And I think we've learned this as we've gone on that forget about size, not forget about it, but just put that on the back burner. It's all about if they can run around the field and tackle people, linebacker now. Instincts and running around side to side and hitting people. I don't care about physicality. I don't care about anything. I care about him putting people on the ground. And he had a ton of tackles in his career, and we learned that with Devin Bush, and we're going to learn it with Justin Flo and all those kinds of things. And I think that's the, what, what matters for linebackers now, instincts and guys that can run around and hit people.
1: Yeah, but I, I do care about physicality because I don't want an ankle tackler at linebacker. And Brooks is a thumper, you know. Um, he, Devin White's a thumper, you know. Uh, Devin Bush, I'm not sure, is the same level of thumper as those two guys. But uh, you know, Kenneth Murray to me is more of a finesse linebacker who can cover a lot of space, <clears throat> and he arrives at the football with anger. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the way Brooks hits people, it just changes their whole perspective on whether they want to go up against that guy again. And it's it's a shame he was in the Texas tech defense because they suck so bad. But, uh, but I think he's going to be good. I thought he would fall to the Ravens uh, because he's a perfect fit for the Ravens. But, uh, but that didn't happen. Patrick queen is a good linebacker. I I worry about him because he's sort of a one year wonder and he's, you know, he's an athletic guy who can run. Um, And he came on at the end of last season, but you always have to warn her about those guys who don't have more than one year, of a real resume and rise late so it'll be interesting to see but this is the funny thing about it I mean we had 21 of 32 players ranked four stars or higher coming out of high school and half of these first rounders will be busts and the NFL gets to look at them playing against other colleges and it just should be so much easier and it's just not it's just guesswork it's all about who's for them, their problem is who's going to get the money and then just not care. Yeah. For us, it's who's going to have to be de recruited you know, and and, and he, whoever gets this big head who doesn't want to work hard or or gets in trouble off the field or you know all this other stuff. Um, so there's different there's different areas of evaluation there. But uh, are you using mayonnaise in your hair?
2: Me? Yeah. No, I'm not. I. I have not taken the Ed uh, approach to, to life yet, and I missed Sunday night's episode. It's what? Supposed to, it's supposed to tape every week, but if the way the Rec TV works is if there's five others that taped in front of it, then it won't tape it. So it's just been a big problem. We have to watch it on man today. And I was, I, seriously, I was actually very disappointed last night when I couldn't watch it after the Homeland series finale, which was phenomenal. Well, did you watch uh, the quarantine one? No, we're not watching watching self-quarantine.
1: What about after something? There's another one on that started last night.
2: We don't watch pillow talk. Talk. We don't watch self-quarantine. We just watch before the 90 days. Oh, I can't get mad.
1: You're you're not into the whole
2: franchise? No, (laughs) that's ridiculous.
1: That's insane. Um, Next year's draft. Yes. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, Justin Fields. Is there one guy, because we put out that list of the, you know, 10 guys to watch, but there's so many others. Is there one guy that you're looking at next season that, uh, that really intrigues you as
2: far as the draft? Hold on. I have to look at the list now. I forget what the list is. Come on. What's the list? Tell me the list and I'll tell you. If I like. Well, it. Like,
1: there's guys like Panay Sewell. You guys like Walker Little, if you like offensive linemen, Jamar uh, Chase, Jalen
2: Waddle. Yeah, I think there's gonna be a good a debate at receiver. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, because uh, let's let's make the argument Devontae Smith was the best receiver at Alabama this year, and then he's gonna not be the best receiver in the draft next year, that's hard to believe. And I think I think I think again it's gonna be Chase, Smith, Waddle, those are that that's going to be the debate. Do you want the seed guy in Waddle or the production of Chase and Smith? Um, if if it goes the way it did this year, it looks like it would be Waddle um, that would that NFL teams would favor if they need a slot guy. But um, I love Devontae Smith, and I love Jamar Chase. I think that's really the most interesting debate. I think we're going to debate Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields throughout the year, and everyone's going to be completely sick of it, and then everyone's going to realize Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick, and it's pointless to talk about. I don't think Justin Fields could do anything to prove that he's the number one pick. Uh, I think teams are absolutely sold on Trevor Lawrence to be he stays healthy. Mm, maybe, I don't know. I mean, next
1: year, the wide receiver is interesting. The running backs are interesting. Cause it's, it, is it Etienne or Najee? Um, you know, we'll see who comes out there are they, are they both first rounders? Because obviously they're both coming back for a season. They didn't have to come back for, uh, yep. So they're going to be even better. Um, so I think we might have two first-round running backs next year, and that doesn't even mention Chuba Hubbard, who is also tremendous at Oklahoma State. But I don't think I don't think he'll test as well as those other guys, um, you know. And then you look at the defensive end. I mean, Micah Parsons intrigues me, obviously, as a linebacker hybrid guy who could play defensive end, rush off the edge, you know, more of a better chasing. So I, I think he's a surefire first rounder. Defensive end Greg Russo, a lot of people, you know, mocking him early as a top five guy. I'm not sure athletically he's top five, but he certainly is a terrific pass rusher for Miami. And, uh, you know, there's no Chase Young next year. There's no Derek Brown next year, uh, at least that I've seen. I mean, Marvin Wilson is good, but I don't think he's the guy. Um, But, you know, guys will emerge, too, because I don't think last year at this time we were talking about Javon Kinlaw or some of these other guys too. Or so, Joe Burrow. Well, that's true. Joe Burrow was sort of graded as a sixth rounder. And, you know, I remember similar about a decade ago, Matt Ryan entered his senior season, you know, not as a sixth rounder, but Matt Ryan was sort of like a third, fourth rounder and he ended up going third overall. Um, you know, so you're going to see a rise like that from some quarterback, but again, they're, I don't think they're going to challenge the big two. So let's get to recruiting. Tennessee's doing some good stuff. Uh, Yeah, huge, huge weeks for them. If you've noticed. Now, they got one guy, you know, Dylan Brooks, who's out of Alabama, who is, you know, a a very, very good football player. Um, You know, a guy that everybody in the Southeast wanted. Uh, A lot of people thought he was, you know, they're going to stay home and go to Auburn or Alabama, but he decided on Tennessee because they showed him the most love. I think that's a very important commitment, and it sort of sends a message a little bit but i also like the pickup of julian nixon which happened today as we're taping on april 28th the wide receiver this kid's huge um there's a big wide receiver and he's going to be difficult to handle i think at the sec level now speed is you know obviously the the question mark when you get a kid that big but um you know he could be used as that Eric Gilbert that they wanted to use last year went to LSU. They want it, Tennessee wanted to use him as a big outside receiver. And, uh, and he could be that guy there too. Kamara Wilkinson is, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to celebrate that commitment because you just don't know. I mean, he's, yep. he committed to Florida. then he decommitted. Then he committed to Florida again. Then he tweeted, he wasn't going to commit decommit and then he decommitted the next day and a little bit of a, a factor there, whether you wonder if he sticks or not. But that's that's uh, three, four star recruits right there in the span of, what, 48 hours. Um, I mentioned Landon Jackson to LSU. That's a big one as well. Uh, he's really raw, uh, as we see, you know, by my famous video uh, <laughs> going through drills, you know, he just, he's from a small school and they don't really They don't have pop-ups and they don't have a lot of things you know so he's a guy who just gets by on athleticism right now and it'll take some refinement um you know whether he pans out or not i'm not sure but um i also like iowa you know getting two offensive linemen in the last week or so um and especially you know they turned three stars into four star offensive linemen but when you get a kid like david davikov um Who's out of Illinois, who's a four star kid, 6'6, 295. Uh, he's going to be really, really good at Iowa. I mean, Tristan Wirfs was a four star kid, athletic, very raw. This kid's a little bit more polished, not as athletic, but Iowa um, with a great commitment there. And then you've seen Branson Yeager on film. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the biggest human beings you're going to see. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> I mean, the only one who's bigger than that over the last couple of years is the, the dude from IMG who went to Minnesota.
2: Yeah, the Paul
1: Lele. Like, yeah. I mean, that he was like 400 pounds. But this kid is legit like 350, 6'7".
2: Oh. oh, he's legit. I, I think he's legit six seven, six eight, three three thirty, three fifty, three seventy. 3'30", I think he's listed at 3'80" which I actually think he needs to lose some weight. Um, the, weight you know, the way he just moves, he's just so massive. And so you know, that's, the, that's another good question that we can have a debate on, is you know, he's not gonna get much bigger, and if he does, it's gonna be bad weight. Um, so how do we rank this kid? Do we rank him just based on his film? Do we rank him projecting a kid that's just gonna just maul people over just because he's much bigger than them, much like Fa Lele? Um, that's, it's, it's going to be right now. He's a high three star. I like him on film, but he's also playing Utah kids. We'll see how he handles, you know, if there's speed in the big Ten by the time he gets there. Um, you don't know. I mean,
1: you just don't know what offensive lineman because remember last year we talked about the undersized guys, Yeah. you know, yeah. Chris Lindstrom was 240 pounds coming out. Um, you know, that, I yeah, think Brad there was a, a
2: 235, I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the offensive linemen taken last year was a tight end in high school. So you just can't tell. But then this year, Isaiah Wilson is one of the most massive human beings you're ever going to see out of high school. Back um, you know, Andrew Thomas is, I would say, good size, average size. Um, but Jedrick Wills is a big dude. You know, he was 6'4", like 330 when we saw him. So I think it's cyclical. But I think the bigger, the better when it comes to offensive linemen, especially in this day and age where, you know, a lot of these kids are now playing early on the offensive line, or if they don't, they're going to transfer. I think they have to be physically ready. Um, and you see guys, you know, that are jumping into situations like Alex Leatherwood at Alabama, um, you know, that are physically ready and they start out maybe sometimes at guard and move to tackle, you um, You know, I think that's – didn't Jonah Williams do that? Yeah. uh, And then who's the massive – I can't remember his name. The kid with the hands, the biggest hands on earth. Went to the NFL, five-star.
2: Quandra? Losing my mind. Cyrus Quandra?
1: No, no, no. This is going to kill me, too. I'll remember it after we get off of this. But uh, Fluker, DJ Fluker. Oh, Fluker, yeah. I mean, he started out of guard and moved to tackle. I think the bigger, the better throw them a guard at first. If they're not ready for tackle, let them work on their feet and then put them outside. So, uh, you know, some of these, some of these commitments that are 240 pound offensive linemen are still going to be ranked as low three stars or two stars. That's just the way it is. Now, if they develop, I mean, Lane Johnson was a quarterback in high school. How, how am yeah. I supposed to know that he's going to be a, you know, uh, uh, all pro offensive tackle in the NFL, like five years later. There's just no way to tell. So I, I do like the massive offensive line pickups, but Jeremy Pruitt's doing pretty good. Um, you know, they're I think they're 11th. No, they're eighth now, maybe 11th in our team rankings. Um, average star rating is okay. Not great. It's a little low. They're starting to get a little momentum here. And I think they're going to do better in state as well. Cause one of the things we saw in this draft was the Tennessee kids, that all ended up leaving the state. Is this our stupid analyst group text?
2: I hope, I hope not, and I hope that goes away. No, it's
1: not. Oh, it's Stan Wetzel. This is, I'm name
2: dropping. Stan Wetzel? Dan's brother? No, it's Dan Wetzel. <laughs> Stan's brother? Shut up.
1: He's got a lot of followers, and he's very famous, and he wants to interview Tennessee, me. I-
2: Tennessee, I like. They have as many commitments now as any other team in the SEC. I think some teams are handling the coronavirus differently. I think this would be interesting to get into if we ever have any time to do anything. Um, you know, Florida and Tennessee have gone uh, aggressive and tried to jump on guys and get them to commit early and get this kind of out of the way. And then we have the Alabamas of the world who, and, and Texas A&M is another one that should be recruiting maybe a little bit better. Three commitments. Um, I think they're taking their time, trying to see how this all plays out going into their senior seasons, see how this plays out going into their season. Um, You would think that a a team like Alabama, kids would want to jump on. They wouldn't have to exactly get on campus to be sold. And Tennessee would be a place where you'd have to get on campus to be sold for the vision, But but it's worked the opposite. They've been super aggressive you know, doing the Zoom meetings and the FaceTime and the tech thing and, and all the stuff they're allowed to do, where it seems like Alabama's playing the waiting game and then we will, you know, pick up all their five stars later on.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Alabama's turning kids away right now. And, yeah, and I'm think, not talking five stars, but there's no doubt in my mind that there's kids that want to commit to Alabama, and Alabama's saying, whoa. And they really use their summer camps as an evaluation tool for them, especially, you know, at the quarterback position, but yeah. other positions. Now, you know, obviously they've – if they've, they've gone early on quarterbacks more so than they did back when the Ricky towns of the world had to earn their offer uh, out shake your head at Ricky town um you know but I think Alabama's turning kids away right now and just saying let's wait let's see what plans out and they know they can just tap a few kids on the shoulder and flip them anytime they want to um, they're recruiting and recruiting hard as, as as hard as you can on zoom and all that other stuff but I think they're waiting um, last subject. Two guys in the news, even though they are they haven't played football in a long time. Uh, let's talk Zach Evans. So, this okay. is my intel on Zach Evans. Ready? It's Tennessee and Florida. Now, again, there were rumors recently about Texas, rumors recently about TCU. Nobody really knows. Nobody even knows if Zach Evans wants to play football because the more this goes on, the more I think that he doesn't want to play football or isn't really serious about it, even though he's so talented. Um, somebody's going to try to get him to enroll online and take summer courses
2: and then he'll be locked
1: in. That's what's going to happen. But when the NCAA passes this one transfer without penalty rule, which could happen mm-hmm. this summer or it could happen next year, that's going to, it doesn't matter if Zach Evans is locked into a school because you just transfer, you get the one-time transfer. And the reason I mentioned the one-time transfer is JT Daniels, who has put himself in the transfer portal. Obviously, you know a lot about him. Um, From what I understand, waiting to see if that rule is passed. Um, Because if he has to sit another year, you know, he might just stay at USC for another year and do it and then transfer after that because he's probably not going to get a waiver. But I think he's he's really trying to determine which school he wants to go to based on that rule. So like a school like Notre Dame, for instance, which would be, I, I would imagine, very interested in him, he'd be interested in them. He's not going to go there if, the, if he's immediately eligible because Ian Book's there and they're not going to change their entire offense for JT Daniels. But, oh, I see what you're saying. Right, right. But, you know, a school like Tennessee, you know, or LSU, that is quarterback hungry, because I really don't believe LSU is sold on Miles Brennan as much as they say they are, um, yeah. you know. And and Tennessee's quarterback room is a nightmare. Uh, or Michigan, you know, because he liked Harbaugh in the recruiting process. Uh, if they get the you know the the, the one and done the, the one time transfer rule passed, then I think because he's got
2: what? Do you have three years left? Well, yeah. So so he played his freshman year, and then he got it. He got injured the first game of his sophomore yeah, year, so he, he would have to red shirt back. for that.
1: So right. he have three years left. I would right. imagine if he would need it, yeah. And that's four years to play three, essentially. So. If JT Daniels, I mean, obviously we're, you know, everybody would expect after this season, if he does transfer, he'd be, you know, a one year guy and then go off to the NFL, but uh, no, he's coming off an ACL, you know, he doesn't have a lot of film, you know, it's mostly his freshman year. And it's not like it's a great quarterback class to jump jump into in 2021. So we're talking about a kid who's probably gonna be around college for the next two years. And I'm sure he wants to play both of those years. Have you heard anything out there about what schools he's looking at?
2: So I, I haven't – I know LSU would be a very interesting situation for him. I mean, and he would be able to step in, and there's absolutely no way that Miles Brennan would be the starter over JT Daniels unless JT Daniels just completely gave up on wanting to play football. This is a kid who was super, super talented in high school. Dave could speak to this. We saw Josh Rosen in high school, and I thought JT Daniels was even better. Um, he was unbelievably good in his senior year at Modern Day. Went to USC and kind of slogged through a freshman season. Wasn't great. Wasn't horrible. Uh, the offense was not really to his, to his liking. I would love to see him in this offense where they're going to kind of throwing it all around and playing exactly what they did at Modern Day. Um, but, like, there's a narrative now that JT Daniels is a bust and he was never any good and he sucked and, and all those kinds of things. I think LSU would be a phenomenal fit for him with what they're doing on offense and what they did for Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think Michigan would, all be, would be a great fit. Um, I mean, name the last quarterback that's done really, really well at Michigan in the last 15, 20 years, other than Bernard Robinson, maybe. Um, so I think LSU would be a very interesting school. I think they're trying to play the waiting game to determine what exactly is going on with the waiver. Because like you said, he's not gonna go to a place that has a guy and that then he's gonna lose a year to sit behind. Um, so that, so, so you know, like a Texas, he's not gonna go to Texas and then lose a year waiting to play behind and then and then get the starting job. So I definitely think LSU makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Michigan was the team that finished second in his recruitment, but that was when Pep Hamilton was also there. So I don't know how that would change his thinking um, but I think he is a guy, and I've said this on the USC site podcast. Mut- and I'm not comparing him to Joe Burrow, but in the same sense, he could go to not work out at the first school he was at, and then go to a second school and completely put up huge numbers if it's the right fit. In terms of Evans, there's no intel. Stop saying you have intel. I no intel. One, no one has intel. There's nothing intelligent about anything going on. <laughs> anything. <laughs> I got boots
1: on the ground in Houston. You have no boots. There's boots on the ground in Houston. I got boots on the ground in Knoxville, and I got boots on the ground in
2: Gainesville. If I got he ended boots. up in Houston, I wouldn't be shocked. If he ended up anywhere, I wouldn't be my shocked. My boots don't and- say
1: Houston. <laughs> but my, I got I, I, I boots everywhere. Who knows what could happen? The reason I mentioned Tennessee is because there's a guy named
2: T. Martin there. Yeah and T Martin recruited JT Daniels. Yeah, that would be an interesting one too, but I do know that the people around JT Daniels are, let's say very savvy about getting him in a situation. They thought USC was going to be that situation. And when you play quarterback at modern day, you're almost pulled to go to USC and, and do your thing. And he, was, and he had great receivers there. I mean, he had Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vons, Michael Pittman, he had players. Um, so that wasn't exactly the worst situation. Um, we'll see if Keaton Slovis is the is the long term answer. I'm still not sold. I mean, he's he was hurt a lot last year. He had head injuries, and and after one great year, a lot of teams figure you out. And so we'll see if moving on from Daniels and going with Slovis is the right situation. I'm not entirely sold that it is. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know if they have the talent that J T Daniels commands around him. If Justin Fields didn't transfer from Georgia to Tennessee. He transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. It's almost an upgrade in what he wanted to do. So I see Daniels probably upgrading where he ends up instead of downgrading to get on the field immediately. Can I put
1: downgrading on the VolQuest board?
2: No, you can't. Please. This this podcast will never see the light of day there. But of course, Tennessee is a downgrade from USC. Come on. From USC? Sure. When was USC, the last time USC put two two guys now? in the
1: draft? <laughs> USC put two guys in the draft.
2: I know, but next year they'll have many more, and they'll be fine. And they two. just retained Clay Helton and got Todd Orlando there. They'll be Dante is there now. It's 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 going to be on.
1: It's how many guys Tennessee put in the draft?
2: How, let me see how many. Oh, hold on.
1: Two. 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 <laughs> yeah. How is USC? Yeah, that's true.
2: Big downgrade.
1: But oh, so, Drew do you have with Tennessee, JT Daniels. Yeah. Is that JT Daniels is not tied into any of your seven-on-seven seven guys? He's not tied into any of your your uh, boots on the ground. And you don't really have a whole lot of intel on JT Daniels, do you? Well,
2: no. Once he goes to USC, I move on. I move on to the next people that have boots on the ground with all those guys. You want me to? You want me to call Steve Daniels and see what he's thinking? Yeah, you know, I'll take oh, three hours. Oh, the you, 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 it's not Mr.
1: Daniels. It's you and Steve Daniels. <laughs> I <laughs> guarantee Steve, you Steve baby. Daniels will
2: tell you nothing. <laughs> I don't even know if they really know what they're, what they're going to do yet until the NCAA determines. All right. Before we end, we got to talk reality TV. So you
1: missed 90 Day Fiance, so I can't really talk about that.
2: Yeah. You missed some good stuff. You don't even watch it on the app? Well, here's the thing. Darcy, the Darcy's uh, boyfriend, calls her calls her fat, and then she storms out with her suitcase. But then the next week he comes back. Tell me what happens there.
0: Dave, do you watch this? No, I've never. never All these
1: years of this podcast, you still won't watch this freaking show.
0: I told you I don't watch. I don't have time to watch bad TV. Love, so Love, is, Love is Blind on Netflix is, is as far as I went. We never got to talk about that. 90 Day is better than Love is Blind. I'll I watched
1: that. one episode of Love is Blind and I didn't finish the rest. Oh, really?
2: No, it's good.
1: It's good. Yeah. But listen, so what happens is Tom goes to Connecticut, my great state, to go to, to talk to Darcy to apologize for the way he was rude to her. And then he gives her a freaking note to read. I mean obviously this is all stage. We're not idiots. you know they're dragging this Darcy thing out as much as possible. So she her sister rips up the notes so we never know what the note says. but it's clear that Tom has moved on. He's got his new girlfriend. Ed yeah. and in Rose, that is where the
2: money's at. The yeah, it did. is amazing.:
1: Have you seen his cameo?: No,
2: no, but did you see the picture of him when he was younger? He was uh, he was a yeah. good- looking guy.
1: Yeah, I might have to send both of you a cameo. He dances. He puts on like he'll put on like a like a dinosaur suit, and he'll dance around, like like he's just doing anything for money. And Rose, he told Rose that her breath stinks, and he he gave her lingerie, and then he gave her mouthwash and a a toothpaste, and then she told him that he's ugly but yet they're still gonna, they're still gonna get married.
0: <laughs>
1: and then he accused her of being in cahoots
2: with her sister who asked him for money. Well, that I'm not completely oh, surprised by. Well, this let's put it this way.
1: Status. I don't think Rose is in this for his looks or his personality. No. Cause he's He doesn't a have a neck to stand on. He's a complete vomit. Um, let's see who is, else? What
2: about Soldier Boy? What's going on there? Oh, they got
1: the mother's approval. Of course. Yeah, of course. And, but that guy seems generally happy about this. Like he's a great actor. Like he was like thrilled, like but Michael you know, and Angela, Michael, I think might have a screw loose. Michael soldier boy Angela. seems to be smart.
2: Oh yeah. 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 Soldier boy thinks going to York, Pennsylvania is going to be like the hip hop capital of the world for him. And I'm telling you, I've been to York. I, I'm not so sure that's going to be a warm welcome. He's happy about
1: this stuff though.
2: Who else? Jeffrey,
1: who they said his past was he's a drug dealer, even though there's a lot of other stuff out there in his past. Oh, the
2: Knoxville guy?
1: Uh, I don't know. The dude with the nipple tattoos?
2: Oh, yeah. The guy with the Russian.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> that, that things to be, seem to be going okay there.
2: Okay.
1: Of course, he's got a lot of, if you Google him, he's got a lot of other stuff that he's done <laughs> that she doesn't know about. Who else am I missing? Oh, oh, the the, the, the 60-year-old dude with the Ukrainian girl showed oh, that, up.
2: that's stalking the girl's apartment? Opened the door,
1: and it was an old man. Lana had never lived there. He had lived there since 1995. He had no idea who Lana was.
2: See, that one is creepy because, okay, if someone is catfishing me on the internet, I'm not going to try to... I'm not flying across the world and then driving eight hours on a donut rental car to try to find her. That's
1: Into a crazy. war-torn area?
2: No? There is no Lana, okay? Just he has to understand that. And what about Williams? Is Williams real? They did a reverse Google search on
1: Williams. I'm trying to do my best, Yolanda. <laughs> Williams. Williams. Williams and uh they they left you a
2: cliffhanger so we got to see what they found oh geez yeah well, david, david and Yolanda, david the creep and yolanda who who williams she goes all right i should fly to london where should i fly to and he goes london airport and then he doesn't know the name of it or which one with a
1: complete dominican accent
2: <laughs> she's
1: like he's dominican <laughs> that one's rough to follow too
2: you don't think you don't think you're gonna reverse You don't think doing a reverse Google image search would be like one of the first things you do instead of five years later? I
1: mean, the catfish ones are tough because it's hard to really grasp that these people are this stupid, you know, and and then the Darcy thing has really gotten to the point where it's like, come on, we're not morons, we're not idiots. So they're really they're getting close to jumping the shark and they got to be careful. I think we're missing one, though. But Ed and Rose, that's awesome because he is just such
2: a, a repulsive human being. In every way. Yeah. And my wife, my wife hates him because before he left for the Philippines, his room is filled with like almost nude women pictures. Like, you know, like he's a 12 year old boy or something. Right. It's, it's, he's a very strange person.
1: A friend of mine told me that she would sleep with the rat that had mange before Ed
2: <laughs> and I believe her. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Knowing your what friend? other reality t- shows you watching love after lockups over. We watched Homeland. Have you watched? Are you watching Homeland?
1: Yeah, I'm not caught up, so don't tell me. Oh, I love great. Homeland. I've watched every season. Don't yeah, Homeland's great. Homeland's amazing.
2: What are we else? Are we watching? Just the regulars, reality stuff. We're not watching that time.
1: I've discovered a sitcom that I like. Have you ever seen Superstore? Either of you? No, no. Hilarity, very funny. Mike, are, are you
2: leaving the house during this coronavirus crisis?
1: Yeah, I have a buddy of mine who hasn't left the house since March 16th, like legit hasn't left the house.
2: You know, by not inviting germs into your body, this is just prolonging the issue, right? Oh, no, I'm out there. I'm licking lampposts, bro. We need, we need to get out and to, uh, society needs to join together and then fight this off together. Staying in your no, house I, go out. Is-
1: I go out. I go out. I go out. But I wear a mask if I'm going into a, an establishment like Target or Walmart or something like that, because it's, yeah. it's required here in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, here in yeah. But I'm not I'm not hiding in my house. No, no. I mean, you know me, I'm Mr. Social, so I am out there
0: <laughs>
1: mixing it up. <laughs> I think we can end this nightmare, but it's better to see us on camera because then you get to see Gorney in a shirt that's two
2: sizes too small. Well, it used to fit right. <laughs> <laughs> what have the Reese's peanut butter cups took over? <laughs> <laughs> this quarantine
1: hasn't been good for any of us, honestly. No, not at
2: all.
1: I think I downed a one-pound
2: bag of caramel M&Ms the other night. How are How are you getting a haircut though? Because you look nice and trim on the sides there. Not. Uh, no, you're not. Yeah, it's just, just bad. Yeah, it's
1: not looking good. I got one the day before they shut down Connecticut, though. Oh, good I got good it call, right yeah. in under the wire. But I will get a black market haircut if I have to. They, they sell I, those.
2: I was thinking about just uh, ordering hair clippers on Amazon and then doing it kind of myself. I mean, it's not like I need a, you know, the Beverly Hills cut or anything. I think
1: you should let it grow out and then braid it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to get a
0: rat like the 80s. Dave's <laughs> is starting to flop. Yeah, a I can't. Feet. I can't like stand it up anymore. Right, it's <laughs> going. so here. heavy. It's
1: like flopping to that side. I now. So
0: I am tell this you, is this is a,
1: this to, it's a test for all of us. Yeah. First world problems. We got haircut problems. That's so. right. But we're gamefully employed. We're rocking out podcasts. We're writing eighty. How many eighty articles a day today,
2: Gorney? Yeah, I think eighty-two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. added to the budget. <laughs>
0: Uh, Wrap it up, Dave. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We will see everybody again next time.